0: I think if you want to know about the voice agency and advocacy of learners in the world today, you'd probably better ask them what they think about it. Kyle Lovell is a seriously interesting person who's had a seriously interesting pathway in his lifetime. He is an entrepreneur. He is a communicator. He is a thinker. He is a terrific fellow. And over the next three episodes of the special series, we're going to be meeting Kyle. I'm excited. I can't wait. Let's go.
1: Before you start your conversation with today's Game Changers special series guest, Phil, can you share with our audience a little insight into our Series 12 sponsor? Of course,
0: Adriano. We are partnered with the Dynamic Education team at the Museum of Australian Democracy. MoAD Learning can support your teaching and learning needs on a range of topics, including civics and citizenship, democracy, empowering voice, and so much more. Visit MoAD oph.gov.au forward slash learning. That's moadoph.gov.au forward slash learning. Good morning, Clay.
1: Hey, Phil, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah,
0: not too bad for an old bloke.
1: Uh, okay. and yourself. <laughs> Happy days. Yeah. Um really uh, stoked to be here chatting this morning. Excellent.
0: Excellent. We're gonna have a wee chat over three episodes about sort of voice and agency and advocacy. Yes. I might- you know dig in a, a fair bit into your story, but why don't you start by telling uh, our our listeners just a little bit about yourself and and how you've come to be where
1: you are today? Happy to, Bill. So I think the the helpful sort of checkpoint is uh, that I am currently eighteen years old, and that's a, that's a really interesting age because uh, for a lot of people, probably including myself, a few years ago. Um, I would have thought that that's sort of when things begin, but uh, really it, it, it feels like it's been a very interesting sort of last five to 10 years, you know, through the, the formal education system and then a bunch of uh, colourful, interesting um, bits and bobs around it. So, you know, I grew up in Perth, uh, Western Australia. I've got a, a sort of an only, only child set up with mum and dad, but I've got five half siblings um, who, are, who are older. So, I grew up with a big family. I was an uncle early on. Um, currently, an uncle to nine, so um, family has been a big part of the journey. Yeah, I, I, I sort of grew up in in the Perth Hills, surrounded by a lot of a lot of trees, uh, a lot of lot of you know birds and 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 a whole lot of nature. And I think that's that's been a really um, important part of my my journey. You know, I went to a very small primary school, sub two hundred people in the school. Um, we would we would play hubby houses and and tear around the bush in our know, in our lunch break. And and really I had an opportunity there to to do things that probably most primary school students wouldn't get away with in bigger primary schools. And in high school, you know, I was I was in the hills and 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 had a, a great um great privilege of uh, of being at a great school in the hills, um, private school that that gave me some some incredible opportunities, um, met some fantastic individuals. There was there was always a sense that uh, the, the things I was working on and tinkering with outside of school were really what uh, excited me most. Um, you know, I had had an interest in electronics and, and circuitry early on. Um, I, I would I would get uh, my dad and, and some family friends. We'd we'd take take apart computers after school and um, and and muck around. I, I electrocuted myself quite seriously at one point and, and learnt the hard way there. And and then eventually that evolved into software, and that's sort of really where I, I have have played in the last um, three to four years is the the Lego bricks of of digital and 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 where those sort of software pieces come together. So, you know, I, I left left school early to to pursue that passion at the end of year eleven, um, and have been working in uh, technology startups uh, for the last year, nearly two years now.
0: Kai, you're saying your biography, and thank you for sharing such a such a great sort of potted version of your own history today you say in your, your your sort of bio page that when you discovered the internet it felt like you'd uncovered a whole new set of Legos walk me through that a little bit
1: yeah I I did, did briefly touch on that that Lego brick sort of analogy and, and I think that comes from that sort of space where I was early on you know f- filling my hands with Lego as as, as I grew up I, I loved the the creativity and challenge of having a thousand and one bricks in front of you and, you know, from 10 different sets and, and, and from, from all over the shop, um, sort of places and to be able to build something, um, to connect things that you didn't know could even be connected. And when I came across, um, you know, physical technology and, and how, how a circuit board is made, you know, I could see that there were different components and they were connected together in different ways. And, the way you did that dictated the result. And that's really how I I came to see software. Um, you know, there's different platforms out there. They talk to each other. Um, you know, from a, a technical perspective, there's there's lots of Lego bricks happening on the back end. But ultimately, why I love software is because it enables you to sort of build from these different components something that maybe no one's built before and maybe something that provides value to someone, utility to someone. Um, that, that I think, is is what I felt with... With Lego, and I think that's what I feel with software.
0: Why is it so important for you to to be able to do something that no one's done before?
1: I think um, there there is lots of lots of thoughts in my head that I've had recently around why, as as a human race, we do things that we haven't done before. I think um, you know the work that Will Storr has done around status, um, and his his book Status Games. You know, he talks about um, in a, in a podcast interview with Sam Harris how he's really observed that, you know, um, nation states pushing forward their space programs comes from status, you know. Wanting to, to beat another country to the moon um, in decades gone by was, was a status game. Um, I think a lot of our innovation and and scientific um, discovery comes from, from status. I think that's, that's human nature. Um, for me, I think it means that you've brought something interesting and different to the world um and that's the sort of stuff that we need to solve the problems we currently have uh i think generally speaking those problems probably would have been solved if the solution already existed but it's not to say those parts don't exist i think it is again how you sort of combine them together um, to make something new um, that, that really interests me so authenticity is obviously pretty important to you
0: and, and I'm, I'm i'm interested in the notion though that you need a solution um, that hasn't been thought of to solve problems because if the solution was there it might have been solved already is it possible that the solution is there but the imperfection of humanity or is is such that we can't actually make the solution work or that perhaps we're not ready for
1: the solution that's already in our presence i would say that's that's often very likely Uh, i I think the, the Lego brick that needs to be added onto that that picture there is probably around how you communicate that or how you get buy-in around that um you know I've, I've spent part of my sort of last few years exploring in this space uh you know on on the challenge of sort of growing products not just building them um I think that's that's a really important sort of piece of the 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 Lego picture here is how you get that to those people how you explain it to them in the way that that means that they want to use it uh, that that they continue to use it. Um, I think that's just as important as doing something of value. Uh, it's actually how you get that to those people and how you get their buy-in.
0: Yeah, and the, the 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 notion of a product or a service is that values and value proposition that 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 coincidence of of something that that has uh, the capacity to honour the inherent worth and dignity of others, and that's the values piece, I guess. And then there's the value. Uh, piece which is uh something that will then enhance um Mm. the 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 daily lives of others and i guess i guess the dream is to do both what do we do with technology that claims to bring both values and value to the lives of others and yet when you dig below it the value that's being brought is a value that's brought to fewer rather than more people and um the values that are claimed to be there are perhaps not as strong as their proponents might argue because a lot of people perhaps when they're looking at the world of the internet today would argue that
1: the talk far exceeds the walk in terms of both values and value. Yeah, really interesting to think about something like that as a a bit of a thought experiment. You know, the 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 word that you used was authenticity, right? Um, You know, and I think we can we can explore that more. But what comes to mind there is is having alignment in sort of words and actions, having alignment in what you've built and the way that you communicate what you've built. Um, I think it's interesting. I've I've spent you know the last last couple of years um, in startups, and and startups are this interesting environment where you're building something uh really fast you're trying to get that to people really fast and and you know generally speaking you have to use approaches like minimum viable products or minimum lovable products where you don't necessarily have the full picture together and and i think as long as you're upfront about that then that's that's okay um i think it just comes down to to that alignment between words and actions Uh, i think that's that's hugely important um on the piece around, you know, technology only delivering value to a small set of people, um, you know, related to this is an organization I've come across recently called 80,000hours.org. Um, and I, I really enjoyed exploring some of uh, what they write around that 80,000 hours representing the years of your life where you are working and and how that they uh, believe and their hypothesis or thesis is that that is the most powerful leverage tool you have to make an impact on the world, what you do in those 80,000 hours, far more than which bin you put your tomato soup can in each night, um, although that's important. But but really where you can make the most impact is where you decide to work each day. Um, and I think from, from a founder perspective, um, you know, you look at venture capital firms and accelerators like Y Combinator, they actually put out requests for startups. Where founders can can look at uh, different problems that exist in the world, whether it's in bio or health, um, you know, financial markets, um, terrorism. There's 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 all these different problems that exist in the world, and I think whether you're a founder creating something of value or an employee, you know, going and working for a company creating value, I think that's also an important lens to take. Like, is this product or service that I'm building? Or, su- or supporting its, its, its build, is that actually going to propel the world forward? Is it, is it going to be valuable to a subset of people or is it is it going to really make an impact and, and do that in an authentic way?
0: That of itself is, is interesting because, again, that, that there's a tension there, isn't there, between the need to create uh, financial value for those who are backing you and to do that in the shortest time of possible um which often leads people to cut corners in all sorts of ways and to overstate their claims and to mm. you know to 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 talk up what they're doing. Um I think it's I think that's entirely normal and natural and human. Um but it's all it's it's all part of the challenge of the Of the space that we 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 work in, I think Uh, Kai. I think I think our listeners will have gained a sense of why we think your voice is so interesting, and why I'm just delighted that we've got this opportunity to sort of unpack a whole lot of uh, uh, a whole lot of thinking and a whole lot of experiences along the way. You feel there is a lot about you which is remarkable, um, and particularly your thinking, I think, reveals a deep introspection into yourself and the world around you, which I'm really hoping that we get the chance to unpack. Um, at A School for Tomorrow, we would we would call VOICE, and I guess this is based on the research of our own circle, Research Institute, over the past uh, 12 years or so. We would say that VOICE has three essential components to it. First, it's about connecting with your community to discover your identity. Secondly, it's about growing in the civic character of belonging and particularly touching on respect and civility and courtesy. And then finally, it's about telling a story with a voice that is both authentic to yourself and that, that also honours your obligation to others. Um, I mean, in proposing this as a bit of a theory, it, it it's perhaps a little countercultural to the ten, uh, the tendency of the last 50 years or so, um, certainly my lifetime, which has emphasised the individual and the the... Growth and flourishing of the individual over the collective, and we would argue that there's actually it's it's a push me pull you kind of thing. There's an interdependence between the individual and the community. You alluded to that when you mentioned your family. Um, it sounds like quite a tribe. Tell me about your family. Tell me why they're so important to you.
1: Yeah, uh, I I think it's a, it's an interesting place to 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 sort of go to explore why someone is the way they are um you know genetically speaking you know the the sort of nature comes from your parents that's that's no um no surprise but the the nurture comes from your parents plus Uh, and and i think that's that's really the the wonderful part of, of of why i love my family is there's a a real mixed bag of uh of of interesting people that that have surrounded me as i grew up you know i've got got those siblings which are you know sort of 20 30 um years older than me um and and that's meant that I've been able to to observe and speak to them about some of the things in life that I haven't got to yet which I I will sometimes you know in in the future uh face you know getting a house um marrying your 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 partner uh, raising kids uh and and that's that's been a real real joy to um to observe and 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 to sort of experience alongside them. I think my parents have uh, have obviously played a a huge role in my journey. I think they've really given me a space for agency. Um, And I think that's that's a really, really interesting thing to do. You know, they have created a space uh, through their parenting that has made me feel like I can make decisions with semi-autonomy or at least propose things that they will listen to and 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 sort of digest and and consider um you know it sort of takes me back to when i was <laughs> i was i was sort of probably 9 or 10 um and fascinated by this uh this building on the on the sort of corner in town um it was the local radio station and i had this 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 massive aerial in in the backyard and you know you could tune in on your car and hear what they were saying inside and i thought that was it was fascinating. Um I wanted to get involved and I said to dad dad let's just can we go in and knock on the door and and have a chat and um and we did and and that that curiosity um which is a word that I really love and re- resonate with that curiosity was was uh, was given space um and and eventually that that led me to 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 make agency okay for me as well you know thinking about my my education and the choices that I made around education, you know at the end of year 10, I chose to to move high schools um, and that was a decision that was initiated by me uh, and and sort of supported by my parents and and they they really created the space for that that agency um, and and to decide at the end of year 11 a year into that new high school that I actually wanted to leave formal education. Um, again a similar situation. Um, you know it, it came from a place of care they still wanted to make sure that, I wasn't being silly, I was being thoughtful, but they 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 really gave me that space, and I, I think i'm I'm super grateful for that.
0: When you're given space, what are the options you have to do with that space?
1: Often it's uh to to try and seize that moment. often often it's it's maybe knowing that the space is there, but not not feeling the need to to seize it right then and there. Um, uh, like I think just having a, a a sense of a relationship with your parents where you know that if you were to take something to them which which you had had sort of been the proponent for and that you knew that they would at least take the time to to, to consider it, um, whether it was a, a formal proposal you'd written up or a PowerPoint presentation you ran them through at dinner or, um, or even just an idea you'd, you'd chuck around in the car, like uh, knowing that that would be there if and when you needed it for the, something that really mattered to you, that was the critical piece, I think.
0: And so what are the things that really matter to you now? And have they changed since you began this journey of of, of
1: finding your own voice and the way to articulate it? I, I believe that what matters to me, me now it sort of centres around a, a, a few core words um, that, that that really sort of come to mind for me. Um, the first one is curiosity, and I'm, I, I have mentioned it. Um, but what, what that word means to me is that space, to let your brain wander in the way that it's good at wandering naturally. And, and when I think about that, it sort of it, it evokes this sort of sense of following the rabbit hole. And, and when you follow the rabbit hole, you find good things, bad things, things you love, things you hate. Um, it, it feels like almost a, a core component of a machine learning algorithm that you're running in your own head, you know, the The core core sort of concept of a machine learning algorithm is you've got 100 players in a game and there's a maze that they need to navigate through to get to the end. And you're trying to train those 100 players to get to the end in the most optimal route. And you can sort of set them all off and they will all just do different things. And one of them through serendipity will likely reach the end. That is a positive one plus signal into that system. But all those players that hit a dead end are all sort of negative one signals into that system too. Um, and for me, curiosity is a big part of how I'm sort of building my own models in my head of the things that I love, the things that I I, I leave to other people to do better than me, um, and the things that excite me. Another piece is is Kaizen, which is a a, a Japanese sort of principle around continuous improvement. Um, and and that is a is is a really interesting daily uh, sort of word of presence in my life. Um, and, you know, it, it literally translates to, to, to good change, um, to, to change for good, to, to change for the good of yourself, for the good of your circle, of your community, of, of the world. Um, and, and whether you're, you know, approaching your work, your play, your family time, your fitness, with that sense of Kaizen, how can I literally do this 1% or 4% better today or this week. Um that that's really something that that I value and and that really matters to me. A couple more that that really come to mind. Um this word which which I I really like called a And 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 a really sort of translates, um, at least in the way that I adopt it, to to healthy hardship. Um so there was there was literally uh, a, a sort of like ancient Greek goddess called um, Aceso. A- a and, and that Greek goddess uh, was, was sort of of the healing process. Um, and uh, su- super athlete Ross Edgley sort of adopted this concept um, into a healthy sense of hardship, um, doing a really hard thing that is hard in the moment, but good for you in the long term, not something that injures you or puts you backwards uh, in-, in a long view, um, but doing hard things, getting a sweat up, pushing yourself into that discomfort zone, uh, in a way that is sensible—that that is something that I really love thinking about. Uh, and finally, kindness. Um, I think you can do all these things as a dickhead, and you can do all these things as as a good bloke. Uh, and I try and, ch- and choose the latter. Yeah, my uh, my, my son Oliver would emphasise kindness a great deal. Um,
0: uh, uh I think I look at I look at I look at that combination that you talk about there the the, the eukesis is is the most interesting one when you know, I've always talked with my children, my family about the notion of hard is good. that giving yourself something that's difficult deliberately about choosing the thing that is perhaps tougher on yourself and at the same time is perhaps kinder on other people is a is a is a way that will help. The research that we've done, are done around the development of character all around the world, um, there's lots and lots and lots that I could ramble on forever about. But one of the pieces that sits within there is that people feel as though stronger and better character tends to be formed out of adversity more often than it does through conditions uh, which are gentle or amenable. So, mm. you know... and. How how do we reconcile those two then? You know, how do we how do we reconcile in the life of a person the desire to bring a kindness to them, but also to acknowledge that that actually growth probably comes more through adversity than it does through amenable conditions?
1: I think this this it's a really interesting piece um because there's sort of there's people that sit on various ends of the spectrum. Um and I'm not sure where I quite sit, but uh, I, I talk to friends about this, um, close friends, often. Uh, and one of the, the sort of mental models that we've developed, um, uh, a mate, mate and myself, um, is around this idea of having different sort of buckets uh, and, and a limited supply of comfort zone oil. Um, and you, know, you can sort of imagine that, you know, these buckets might be your living environment, your physical health, your mental health, um, your professional world your romance, your family, you know, uh, uh, you know, pick and choose those and sort of slot in and out whatever suits you. Um, you sort of had then have this this gallon of oil, which um, you know, it could be water or whatever, something a little bit um, a little, little bit less intense than oil, but you have a finite supply of comfort zone. Um, and and you can top those buckets up in whatever way you'd like. Um but the the way that I sort of think about, it, I mean, I'm I'm considering um, the move to to Melbourne in in sort of June next year. Um, that is going glori- to be a
0: glori- a glorious thing to do. All the best people uproot themselves and take themselves <laughs> to Melbourne for uh, the next
1: adventure of their lives. I can recommend it highly. Well, I, that that recommendation is appreciated, Phil. It's um it's a wonderful city. Um, Dad grew up sort of uh, in in regional Victoria, so um, have spent some time in Melbourne and love it. Um, but what I'm going to be doing there is uprooting my environmental comforts, you know, knowing where things are in my kitchen or knowing how I can get a coffee down the road nice and easily or knowing where the run tracks are nearby or having the friends and family close. I'm choosing to, to uproot that and sort of like and, and, and create, a, create a sense of discomfort there. But you can't spread discomfort across every single bucket. Um, you know, that, that, that sort of comfort zone oil um, is, is finite, so is that discomfort zone. Um, so, ultimately, you know, to, to, to bring this back to, to simple terms, I think you have to choose the parts of your life weekly, daily, that, that you are choosing to put into the discomfort zone and the parts where you're choosing to, to, to be comfortable. Um, like, I, I, I strongly believe that we can't all be in the discomfort zone in every part of our lives, every day of our lives. Um, and I think that is probably the answer to this question is really to think about the things that will move you closer to your goals and your values and what matters to you in that moment through that discomfort. Um, so for me at the moment, you know, literally chatting last night with a mate about what our sort of fitness protocol is going to look like um moving into sort of towards May next year when we 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 move out and and head over East, that's seven months. And we're really wanting to start to ramp up there to get into some good habits so that when we are moving over to Melbourne, a lot of these things are habitual, um, that don't require discipline or willpower, um, but are literally just habits in our system Um, because we know that our environment is going to become the area of discomfort for those next two to three months once we're in Melbourne. So we're trying to lock some of these things in so that once we get there, that discomfort sort of balances out. Um, so that's 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 where our thoughts currently are.
0: Yeah, most people, regardless of age, don't think about life that way. Most people just aren't that considered, they're not that measured, they're not that wise in and around it. But most of us, if we're lucky, uh stumble from one thing to the next in a day. Um, and if we get a chance for reflection, a chance for a little bit of introspection, we probably look back on the things um that we wish we hadn't done and think, well. Try not to let that happen again. Um, it sounds like a very different way of looking at things from the sort of way um, that you do. You, you seem to be very deliberate uh, and intentional in what it is that you do. Has, has that always been part of your your makeup?
1: Uh, I, you know, it's a it's a kind reflection, Phil. Um, I, you know, I, I'm I'm far from any version of anything close to anything perfect, but I, I think I believe in my systems, um, uh, Atomic Habits. Uh, is a great book, one of my favourite books, um, which has uh, become very popular, um, which is awesome. And, and James Clear talks about this, this idea that you don't rise to your goals, you fall to your systems. Uh, and for me, my systems fall around Kaizen, around Acesis, around curiosity um, and, and creating the spaces and processes for those things, knowing that I will be spiralling up on these different areas of life even by a minute amount, just by following those systems. So, what do what I mean by that? I think the piece around curiosity, um, you, you need to create space for that. You know, if you have a phone that that affords you the ability to, to jump in and, and get dopamine hits from from, you know, 10 different platforms in any brief moment of pause or silence in your day, then you're not really creating a space for that curiosity. Um, you know, if you are coming home and 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 watching TV every night and letting your brain be sort of be filled with signal, then you're not creating that space for curiosity either. One of my favorite things to do is is to 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 go on walks. Um, I have a hell of a lot of shower thoughts. Um, and it, it makes me think, why do I have those thoughts in those moments? Um, you know, so um clearly and so viscerally and, and and often so frequently in those environments. Well in the shower, you know, clearly you can't you can't be checking your phone. And I think that's a simple piece. But then I would usually reach for my phone once I had a thought, you know, on on a on a sort of you know usual day at the office. So I would have an interesting thought. I would go to my phone and I'd write it down. And I would either be distracted by all the other things on my phone, or by writing that thought down, I would sort of stop the brain flow. Uh, And I I think in the shower, as an example, literally last night, I was there for three and a half minutes and I was just rattling off all these things. And then one one was coming after the other. So, got off, drive myself off, got out, drive myself off, and then wrote them all down on my phone. I was like, that that was incredible. And that was a space for curiosity. Um, Everyone has that space. Um, I try and create a lot more spaces during my week where I can't just fill it with signal. I have to sort of let the brain be bored that's an example of sort of how I can rely on these systems. I, I have another sort of system in place where I, I've been doing for the last couple of months, a weekly review. Um, and I sit down and, and, and fairly religiously sit down and go through my quantitative and qualitative sort of metrics from that week. Um, you know, what does my sleep debt look like? What does my screen time look like? What's my my sort of habits tracking look like? Um How have I felt in terms of my my time sort of allocation during the week? What things on my calendar gave me energy? What things took energy away? And and just by installing a system like that and sticking to it, I can guarantee that in six months' time, the things that I'm running through on that list, just by staring at them in the face and facing that reality every week is going to help me improve on them. Um, But that's something I've done literally in the last two months. So, I think I've always had an appetite to improve. I think I've always had an appetite to to be very solution focused on on a lot of these things um and to and, and to better myself as a person. I think that kaizen mindset has has always been there. But the ways that I do that, um my effectiveness in that um sort of, you know, that spiraling up has has really only been coming into effect in in more recent times. Um so I, I'm excited to see where that continues to evolve, but um while well, the appetite's been there for a for a long time. I, I don't think that's that system um, has has been like it was today at the very beginning. That's for sure. Yeah, there's there's so much in what you're saying there. Um,
0: certainly, I know that uh, it's very difficult to uh, it's very difficult to find the space that you want to allow your own voice to build its layers and to emerge over time and to say the things that you want. Finding weekends away where there's no mobile reception is pretty handy. And no wine pretty handy. Um I take Bravo want a Dog for a walk. Um i am very strict. I mean I, I take my phone with me, but no mm. headphones, no music, no nothing, just just a walk. Um and we usually do what I call the Fitzroy lap, which is sort of you know up Smith Street, along Gertrude, down beautiful Brunswick and down Johnson and back around to my place. And and that's a that's a good forty-five minutes, which is a great period of time just to be alone with your thoughts. You know, it's, everybody needs to find their their space in the wilderness um, to, to let the thoughts rattle around, I think. I want to pick up, if I can, just uh, finally on curiosity. Curiosity is a hard thing to maintain as you get older because the world doesn't allow you the space to do it. Um, and so much of this conversation so far, I think, has actually all been about space, that you find you find voice through space. What do you do to maintain your sense of curiosity
1: in the world? The, the, the counterintuitive thing about sort of what we've just talked about is that if you completely eradicated all signal or input into your brain, um, you know, you'd have some interesting thoughts. You might go crazy. But you, you I, I think you do need some fodder, some brain fodder uh, to, to sort of spark some of these thoughts. Um, I think robust conversations with interesting people on a regular basis are an incredible tool here. Um, you know, I really try and optimize my friendship group to allow for that. Um, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to say that, like, uh, you know, I, I really prioritize interesting people in my friendship group. Um, and, and I think that's a, a powerful tool. I mean, I I have a, a regular fortnightly catch up um, with, with a, a, a sort of small group of, of, of four or five friends, and we discuss what's gone well for us that week, what's not gone so well, and, and what's coming up in the week ahead, and and that sparks you know a hundred and one ideas o- over those conversations that that you can double click on in that conversation, you can double click on in your own time. Um, so I think having uh, a breadth and and sort of depth of fodder um, is is a really important part of curiosity, but that doesn't work. On one side, that doesn't work even if you've got that unless you, you have the space to, to let that fodder um, sort of come to pasture, if you like, on, on the other side. And I, and I think that's 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 really how I sort of see it. You need both of those things. You need to be able to, to read great books and listen to great podcasts and um, and have interesting conversations. But if you do that the whole time and you can't just do some washing and let your brain wander, um or jump in the car and, and one in three trips, not have the radio or music or a podcast on and just let your mind wander, then you're not going to really even have time to make good use or value or a has pulled from that 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 fodder.
0: You mentioned podcasts and good books. You've mentioned James Clear, who's uh who's, I get his I get his emails, you know, I get yep. his three two ones. So I find him very, very helpful um uh, uh and was put on to him by the mighty Adriano De of course. Um yes. Uh you mentioned Sam Harris too, who I think is wonderful, just mercurial and and, mm. and and has a capacity to think in different levels. Who else inspires you and inspires your curiosity? What other what other great books and great podcasts stoke
1: the uh stoke the fire of your imagination? I really enjoy um sort of three to four Core podcasts, um, ones that are, are sort of evergreen, as in in, in sense of uh, you know have been publishing for a long time. Um, I'll also share a couple of quick um, recommendations that I've been enjoying recently. Um, the first one is is a really really excellent excellent show called Twenty VC. So it's a it's, it's a program run by a guy called Harry Stebbings, and it started off really in in the space of uh, of of venture capital. Startup funding, the pitch, um, and and he's done this for years, and and more recently it's become really really popular, um, which which is an interesting point in itself. But but now he you know he talks to to um, C suites and founders of uh, some of the biggest tech companies in the world, um, you know around the journey of those companies. He also then discusses you know particularly product focused um, sort of. Conversations and and sales-focused conversations and, and growth-focused conversations as well. Um, so if anyone's interested in that space, um, I really enjoy the way Harry interviews. A similar one to that is um, is How I Built This, which is uh, a really fascinating podcast um, by Guy Raz. Um, I, I'm going to be completely honest. it's uh, It's been recently acquired by Amazon um, and I don't listen to it as much now. I, I, I find the OG episodes... Just just that bit bit more interesting. I don't know why. But he he does an as, incredible. As, as Regurgitator said, I like your old stuff better than your new stuff. <laughs> exactly that. Um, but no, he he does a really great job, you know, obviously doing a hell of a lot of research on on someone's story and then being able to pull out a fascinating journey um, where you know details aren't spared, where you know that that messy middle. Um, is visited and, and, and time is spent there. And, and, and for someone who's interested in, in you know, business building and, um, and creating value for people, I think that's a fascinating place um, to learn from. A couple of quick ones as well. Um, I really, really enjoy the, the Andrew Huberman podcasts and, you know, Huberman Lab, he, he really goes deep uh, on a lot of our, 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 our fitness, our health, um, longevity, he has conversations um, about all those sort of topics on sleep, um, on alcohol consumption, um, on fitness protocols. Um, if you want to really get the get the facts on on these sort of things, um, you know, he's, he's, he's at Stanford. He, he he's, knows his stuff. He really stretches you between the the, the the mind, body, spirit
0: sort of stuff, really, really nicely, doesn't
1: he? Yeah, I love him. Um, and then a more recent more recent podcast is um, is actually a, a Spotify. Um, f- focus show that they've created called Spotify: a product story, um, and uh, it was published in two thousand and twenty-one. But I've um, I've been going through it recently, and uh, in essence, it's uh, it's the story of uh, you know product strategy, um, you know the, the the evolution of the Spotify product, a lot of their launches throughout time, whether it was um, you know the original sort of bet around. Streaming in a world of of piracy, um, you know, thinking about how they charge for for a mobile app, you know, how how they they built this concept of sort of algotorial playlists, um, which you can go and find out about on the show. Um, it's it's fascinating. It's very well produced and, and very well told, and it sort of has this diverse cast of of people that were there when those things were being built. Um, so that's a fascinating product. Product show, on books, uh, yeah. Atomic Habits is a great one. Um, one that that really, when I read it um, a few years ago, really resonated was a book called The Right It by Albert Salvoya, um, and and he was a, a one of the original engineering managers at Google. and And that book details his um, philosophy and methodology around making sure that before you you build this business or product in the right way, you make sure. You're building the right business um you know you really make sure you're building the right business or product um and i think it's it's a fascinating book that dives into to validating an idea to testing an idea to understanding a market so you know they're, they're, they're reasonably tactical books um i i have to have to admit i tend to read more of um of that sort of style than um than some of the other sort of styles i mean I, I I wanted to to get into to more fiction and, and more biographies and autobiographies for a while, um, but um, my my boss at boss uh, at the company I'm at Michael Momsen, um, who's our CEO, uh, he he really talks about this idea of just in time learning, um, and and not necessarily reading for the sake of reading, although that that can be a wonderful thing if you have the time, but really focusing in on the content that's relevant to the problems you're solving right now. Um, you know, the the challenges and problems that you're solving in your your world right now are usually associated with pain, um, with discomfort. And, and often that's the best way to remember the gems and insights from a resource. Um, that was one of the problems I had with high school is so much of that learning was not tied to relevant applications of that learning in our contexts. And, and I was... Very, very sure that the better way to teach those things, at least from my view as a, as a learner, was to teach the things in the context of why they mattered.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt you there because I think school is something i would really like to
1: to, and your learning journey is
0: something I'd like to explore with you in the second part of this series. Um, right. So if we can, we might just we might just draw it to a a pause there, and we'll give our yep. listeners a week to uh think and reflect and find their space to to appreciate your voice and 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 think about their voice um and what they do um to allow their values and value propositions to align in the world. Thank you, Kai. It was a really, really interesting first conversation. I'm really looking forward to the second one. Thank you, Phil. It's a